Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the HR Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. On today's episode, which is our first of season three of the HR Like a Boss podcast, I'm so excited to have Kristen Harper. We met through Haraka, which is the Columbus SHRM organization. She was referred to me by a mutual contact, and she was also one of the original Disrupt HR Columbus presenters. So Kristen, welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Thanks so much, John. It's great to see you again. Awesome. So for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days and how you got into HR and your passion for it. Absolutely. So I found it driven to succeed in late 2019 after spending 20 years in corporate America. So I'm a classically trained marketer and brand manager who spent 20 years at Procter & Gamble, the Hershey Company, and Cardinal Health. I went from college intern to a global VP in my 30s. And so not only have I been able to demonstrate proficiency in my career, but I've been able to develop a lot of uh, employees and leaders along the way, which has brought me such joy. Uh, in late 2019, I decided to venture out and step out on faith and start my business driven to succeed. At that time, I only had a manuscript for my book, The Heart of a Leader, uh, 52 Emotional Intelligence Insights to Advance Your Career. And uh, 2020 came and had a great pipeline going for speaking and training and consulting. And that just evaporated with COVID. Um, and so I pivoted and went back to the drawing board and added another division to my company in addition to the speaking, training, and consulting. And that division is Imaginology, which is all about market research. We help Fortune 500 companies and leading brands uncover insights to innovate and grow sales profit and share. So at the end of the day, I really have two passions, helping brands grow and helping people thrive. I am not a trained HR practitioner. However, having led teams, individuals, businesses for over 30 years, including and even before my corporate career, I am a true believer that there is no I in team and there are no teams of one. And at the end of the day, um, what I often say, no matter what your industry is and no matter what your function is, you're not in that business, you're in the people business. And so for that reason, I've always had an affinity toward human resources because how could we thrive in this world without people? Well said. Congratulations. What a journey. I'm sure you certainly learned uh, many things about the, the challenges that you faced throughout starting your in your career as well as starting your business. And then all of a sudden COVID hitting. And wow, it's amazing how those those items, those those tasks, those challenges will galvanize galvanize us as human beings and kind of give us that kind of fork in the road choice. I can choose to give up or I can choose to power through. And I know uh, in your in your inspiration and obviously with all those suggestions you have in emotional intelligence, 52 items, that's a lot. It's a lot to cover and it's not easy. It's complicated, but super excited to have you on the show and, and delighted uh, that you're here with me today. Thanks. So Kristen, I will start every one of my guests out before you and after you with the first question always is how would you describe the purpose of human resources? 
I would describe the purpose of human resources to galvanize a group of people who have common and aligned values and belief and expertise to achieve the objectives of an organization. I think what's really important is that each person has unique skills and experiences and different tolerances for how much they're willing to learn, how much they're willing to stretch and how many risks they're willing to take and what types of risks they're willing to take. And so it's beyond the technical, there has to be an alignment to have the best performing organization and strong culture and alignment with what the organization's values, mission, priorities, and job to be done is. And so that's how I would define the purpose of human resources. And yeah, I think, awesome. you know, it's evolved into this notion of human capital. And I appreciate that because when you think from a finance perspective of investing, you expect a return on investment, right? And what greater um, what greater asset is there in any organization than people? People and IP. Those are my two kind of top priorities. And oftentimes they're they're interlinked. And so the more companies, organizations, businesses can invest in people, it will create a greater return even on that human capital, which is one of the greatest assets. No, I, I, I so appreciate that. It's, I think sometimes hard for the human resource professional to put a dollar and cent on the programs and the initiatives that they have. They certainly can know the impact of uh, the cost of payroll and what it what it takes to employ individuals. And there is a level of that return on the investment on both ends, right? People are investing time into a company and they want something in return as far as development skills, support. At the same time, the business needs to produce results either for its stakeholders or its constituents, if it's a nonprofit, whatever it might be. But I, I really I really appreciate that. We could geek out on that whole subject for the rest of the show, but I know there's other topics we want to talk about. One that's, I know, really uh, important to you, and you wrote your book, Heart of a Leader, and I know you probably have some very unique and compelling suggestions for the HR profession on how, how to develop, how to support from an HR lens, managers or leaders within their organization? Absolutely. So one thing I'll say is that I've led teams in various capacities. I've led teams certainly from a corporate and a business standpoint within a large global matrixed environment. My team, my business is scaled from a solopreneur to a team of over 20 in the past two years. I've also led from a, a growing, high growth startup um, perspective. I've also led um, volunteer organizations and within capacities where people aren't paid necessarily to um, advance the ball. And I will say that the techniques around motivation vary in every capacity and it varies by person. Um, I think what's important as it relates to developing leaders and managers is first understanding yourself. Know thyself is the very first principle that I have in my book. When you know yourself, you are can be more confident, 
You can be more clear about what your strengths and what your opportunities are. And that will help you to be a better leader. The second thing I'm going to say is to know your people and to get to know your people. I'm a huge believer in personality assessments. My very favorite is Clifton Strengths. And I like that because the notion of Clifton Strengths and the, the philosophy is unlike the DSM with psychologists where there's a diagnosis of what's wrong with you, Clifton Strengths focuses on what's right, right? Um, and there are 34 strengths that are global across every human being, but what's unique is that they're in a different order. And so that's my favorite tool. And I facilitated, and so has my team, facilitated trainings and workshops with organizations and corporations to help to get to know others. So that would be the second suggestion I have is knowing each individual and knowing the composition of your team. I love Clifton Strengths because it breaks it into four domains. And sometimes we can over-index in a particular domain and under-index in others. So knowing others. The third thing I would say is understanding each individual's motivations. People's priorities have absolutely shifted in the past couple of years with the onset of COVID, working from home, working in a hybrid situation, the she session, the great re recession. Uh, some people are bouncing back and coming back to organizations. So people's motivations and values and priorities are shifting. And so it's truly important to have those ongoing dialogues with your team members on an individual basis, definitely your direct reports, and even two down into the organization and three down into the organization so that you can be accessible and stay in tune with what individuals' motivations, priorities, and aspirations may be. So those are three um, specific recommendations that I have. And it's not difficult. At the end of the day, it's really about listening. It's about engaging um, our ability to be compassionate and to be empathetic and to be human. Yeah, really cool. Thanks for sharing that. One thing I think you did an exceptional job in your story during Disrupt HR and even in that answer and throughout today's pod podcast is just a really clear uh, communication uh, directness. I think uh, that that is that is a, that is a key attribute for leaders. I've heard uh, quite a bit that HR is kind of clamoring for more um, training support on how to uh, communicate effectively, to do it in a clear and kind way, to be direct in that particular spirit. I think it it lends to your ability to lead people because they know where you stand, that you can communicate in a way that allows you to listen. I know you mentioned that as a key attribute of of a great leader, and uh, that was really cool. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Now you you. You mentioned in your in your in your in that last answer this kind of great resignation, big quit, uh, great attrition. Gosh, whatever we want to call this crazy time we're living in, I crazy think it's got time. all these different brands. Which you know all about brands having worked for Hershey and Procter and Gamble. Man, is that is that a uh, is that a masterclass uh, from an organizational standpoint on how to brand? Uh, every time I hear Will Arnett's voice, I want to I want to eat a. I want to eat a, uh, a, uh, a Reese's cup. It's kind of funny how they do that. Anyway, we're Love not here it. to talk about that, <laughs> but tell me about how you think those things, the, the people, people leaving their jobs, mm -hmm. supply and demand issues with uh, too, too many open roles, not enough qualified talent. How's that impacting 
uh, the human resource, the business professional, and any strategies you you would suggest to help navigate through that? Absolutely. Um, so <clears throat> research has shown that there are uh, a few reasons why people are quitting their job. The number one reason, according to McKinsey and Company, um, is lack of career development and advancement. So 41% of people are quitting their jobs because they're not developing or advancing. Now, let me say this, out of the tens of millions of workers in the U.S., um, only 5% are in management, okay? However, 34% aspire to management. So looking at the numbers, when you think about advancement and development, everyone's not going to become a manager of people. So the question is, how can you develop employees? How can you give employees access and visibility to broadening assignments and different types of roles? Oftentimes we talk about the power of lateral roles. So, um, and, and, and that's definitely been a conversation over several years, but showing the value of a lateral role and how that ties into advancement. It goes back to what I said earlier around understanding motivations and aspirations, et cetera. It also goes to being honest, John, to your point about what are the strengths that each employee has what may be their developmental gaps, um, and how can you work together to help to bridge those gaps? Um, and so some of the, that's the first reason, lack of development and advancement. 36% are leaving because of inadequate compensation. Now, I can't fault some employees for leaving and going somewhere else where they can get a 20% pay bump or a 30% increase in their salary or compensation. I was just in a uh, meeting. I serve on the board of trustees at Florida A&M University, which is the number one public historically black college and university uh, for the third year in a row. And uh, there was a colleague who talked about their CEO of a hospital and they talked about paying nurses 30% more. So if you're in that nursing field and you can get paid 30% more to do what you've been doing, why not? And that's why the power is shifting and has shifted from the employer to the employee. And what that means for managers, what that means for the HR um, organization is that we have to get closer to our talent. We have to be more intentional about talent because compensation is the second reason that people are leaving. The third is with 34% uncaring and uninspiring leaders because people wanna have meaningful work and they wanna work with teams and with organizations that truly care, that truly care about them as an individual, their specific situation, and are willing to co-invest uh, in developing them to, for retention. There's a really interesting statistic, John, around the cost of uh, investment versus the cost of hiring someone new. On average, organizations spend just over $1,000 in training per year. That was in 2021. But the cost to hire a new employee is between $4,000 and $20,000. And so when you think about the ROI of that, for your talent that you want to retain, we have to be intentional. And training is one way, 
spending time is another way. There are lots of strategies as it relates to how to retain. But at the end of the day, after all of the research I've done, it comes down to, from my perspective, the relationship between the manager and the employee. You can put in great policies, and we do put in great policies from a HR and a business perspective, but the core of it is that relationship between the manager and the employee, and that is the key to drive retention in a very uncertain time. Yeah, you remind me of a phrase that uh, I know I know compassion and empathy throughout COVID had became a, a very strong buzzword, probably the wrong word to use, but uh, was was certainly emphasized. And I think that is critically important, but I think you have to have empathetic action, in my opinion. It's, it's one thing to put yourself in someone else's shoes and try to understand their circumstances, but we, we certainly need to take action on the things that we're hearing, whether or not we agree with them or not. Um, people are looking for action. They just don't want to, oh, you're easy to talk to, but you don't do anything about it. That, to me, is not an effective manager. And I, I always chuckle with the idea that Managers are put in this unique position without having any formal training. I think statistically, they say it's up to four years before they get their first managerial training. So they get four years of skinning their knee or um, screwing up on their employees or kind of incubating on other people's lives. And I think it's a, I think it's kind of backwards in that corporate uh, organizational structure. Let's get those leaders as much leadership training and development as we possibly can. Obviously, Kristen can help you with that or read her book, Heart of a yeah. Leader. I'm sure she would love that. Absolutely. And that's why I wrote chapter three, what you need to lead, but won't learn in business school and often won't even learn in the job because um, as Marshall Goldsmith said, what got you here won't get you there. So just because you're an excellent individual contributor doesn't mean necessarily that you have the skills to lead a team effectively. So couldn't agree with you more. Well, I gave the book a shameless plug. I'm going to do the Thank same you. for our our podcast host and sponsor, which is Willery, has supported the formation and continues to provide resources for the HR Like a Boss podcast. Willery's purpose is to empower people and focuses on supporting mid-sized companies with this with its search and staff augmentation services, along with a client-side HR technology practice. So if you're struggling to find HR or payroll talent, or you're not getting a return on your HR tech investment, please visit willery.com to learn more. All right, back to the show and the podcast. We're having Kristen Harper on. Super excited to have her first podcast guest for the season three of HR Like a Boss. Now, I want to shift a little bit and talk about the, the future of flexibility at work. Curious, uh, Kristen, I know there's a lot of things that happened around COVID and, and we went virtual and hybrid and all the changes that happened and trying to be more flexible. And then things have, I think, somewhat shifted back or tried to get back to what it was before or something in between. What, what, is, what is the new normal going to look like for flexibility at work? Yeah, I think there's three aspects of what flexibility should look like today and in the future at work, physical, psychological, and emotional. I'm going to start with emotional first because we we talked about that in the last segment around the skill sets that leaders need to lead effectively and sometimes that training doesn't occur we, we do learn you know through experience and one of the things that's so important from an emotional flexibility perspective is taking that time to listen and taking that time to support employees 
One of the ways we can do that is through encouraging and role modeling using PTO. Wouldn't it be refreshing if as a employee, your leader came to you or your HR team shared, pulled a report, right? And said, here's the remaining PTO for the team. Please encourage the team to take the time that they need to stay refreshed, to take the appropriate time off. And let me also add computer free. What good is it to take PTO if you're still tethered to your email through your computer or through your device? So we can role model that as leaders. Uh, another aspect around emotional flexibility is what if we integrated mental health check-ins into quarterly performance conversations? Again, it's about retaining great talent, um, not just driving the highest productivity, because that's one of the reasons that people are quiet quitting. They're saying, if I'm not going to be compensated, valued, rewarded, developed for going above and beyond, I'm not going to go above and beyond anymore. So emotional flexibility is necessary. The other aspect of emotional flexibility is thinking about performance management. You know, there are no crystal balls, um, but I'm really curious how performance management is going to evolve as we're working in different physical environments. Oftentimes there is, I like to talk about the pie model, performance, image, and exposure. And performance is the baseline of, uh, of advancing. But image and the visibility that you have and the pr projects that you're on and the, the coffee chats and the mentors and the sponsors, et cetera, all of those things often lead to more advancement. Well, in this hybrid environment where work tends to be more transactional because it's often facilitated at least three days a week by most companies, which is why uh, what most people want, um, where it's more uh, digital, how is that going to impact who develops, who advances, who's put into those nine box grids and where they fall, et cetera. So emotional flexibility is one. The next is around psychological flexibility and psychological safety. It is about creating environment, creating a culture. Again, this is where the manager employee relationship comes in, in that micro space. It's about creating a culture where you can provide candid feedback, where you can be open about admitting mistakes and taking risks and learning from each other. So psychological safety and flexibility is necessary. And then obviously physical flexibility. There, one of the reasons that there is the great resignation is obviously people aren't just limited to their geographic location. They can work anywhere across the country. Or I, I just had dinner with a friend this week whose friend lives in Jamaica, works for, I think it's Meta. The team is in California. She's in Jamaica living her best life. And you know what? Life is grand. So certainly mobility policies and flexible arrangements it's important that organizations implement cybersecurity policies and protections um, to maintain, again, that IP, which is one of the most valuable assets along with human capital, and then just promoting safe workplace practices. So physical, psychological, and emotional flexibility are necessary for the workplace of the future. Yeah, my how things have changed, and I think it's so important that they take that full breath of a human being and how they're uh, being successful or not in some cases in their role. So uh, gr great perspective. 
Well, hey, Kristen, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, the podcast is called HR Like a Boss. This is the start of season three, so super excited. The book that's coming in 2023 is also called HR Like a Boss. So I'm curious to get your perspective on how you would describe someone that does HR Like a Boss. Gosh, um, I'm going to give a shout out actually to one of my clients, uh, Priscilla Quarantang. She is the chief people officer at Indeed. And what I love about Priscilla's approach and her leadership style um, doing HR like a boss is clarity with strategy, having the right people on the team and getting the best talent, creating metrics, um, but then empowering those capable leaders around driving toward the end result. So it's a combination of inspiration, a vision, of strategy, having the right people, creating the right structure and support to develop and to grow and to nurture and then celebrating together. So that's who I'm going to give a shout out to who does HR like a boss. Awesome. Love that. Maybe we can have her on the show. Certainly love that, that uh, recommendation and connection. That's fantastic. All right, Kristen, you did great. Quick recap to the audience. I know uh, I've gotten some great feedback that you love you love the recaps. So here we go. I, I think, Kristen, you start off with the importance of HR helping people thrive, galvanizing people together, and aligning them around values, mission, uh, responsibilities, culture. And we were talking about leaders and managers to make sure you know, you know thyself, your people, and the overall priorities of the organization. And we finished off, which I think is a really important part around uh, your, your colleague and friend, uh, around the clarity on strategy. I think sometimes that's an overlooked aspect about what is our strategy? Is it clear? Can everyone articulate it? Because this is the way we're heading. This is where our vision starts and uh, our ability then to execute around uh, delivering to that strategy. So fantastic job, Kristen. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Likewise. Thanks so much, John. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review. Or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.